Well, welcome all of you here at the Greenwood campus. Welcome everyone at the Franklin campus, our Banta campus, our Garfield Park campus, and also our online campus and everyone joining us across the country through our Facebook feed. We welcome all of you. Welcome to our microsites as well. And how many of you, how many of you have ever done something really odd, really strange because you were all alone? Maybe make a video like that. You just kind of thought it was a good idea, but you know, you come to find out once people see it, they're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> we make some interesting choices when we don't have feedback from others, right? We, we, we do some interesting things when we're not living in relationships with other people. I remember when I was about 21 years old, I was uh, getting ready to marry my wife. It was, six mo- you know, it was a couple of months out and I had no money and that's not a good thing. You have no money, you're about to get married and it's like, oh man, you know, what do you do? I, need some, I needed some quick cash. I was graduating from college and it was like, you know, sell drugs or, you know, what do I do? It's like, <laughs> no, I, I, that wasn't a serious thought in my mind. Um, so, but I got, I got approached by someone who was a door to door, they ran a door to door sales kind of deal. And so, and they were like, man, you could make like, you know, $15,000 in three months. And I'm like, sign me up, you know? And so I go to the sales training and, uh, you know, they, they, they placed me in Alma, Georgia, which you've probably never heard of Alma, Georgia. I didn't either. And so that was my sales territory. And we were selling uh, books and, and, and educational tools for parents and spiritual, you know, uh, literature and stuff like that. Uh, and, and so I did fairly well. You know, I do, from nine in the morning till nine at night, I'm knocking on doors. You ever have one of these people uh, knock on your door? <clears throat> that was me. I was just busting my tail and I was highly motivated because I didn't have any cash, right? So I'm like, I, got, I can't show up on the wedding day without any money. So I spent that whole entire summer knocking on doors nine in the morning till about nine at night, sun up to sundown. And I was, I was all alone. I mean, I had two roommates, but they were working and I was working in a separate territory. So we didn't see each other. And all, the only interaction I had with human beings were total strangers. And if you know anything about me, I'm kind of like an extrovert. And, and, but I like to be around people that I'm, to, I'm close to and I'm tight to. So I like strangers, but you know, it doesn't you know, it doesn't really do it for me. And so, and so three months, you know, three, two and a half months into this summer, uh, I've only interacted with strangers. And this, so I finally come up to this one house and, and they let me in and I make my presentation and this mom's got some kids, some older kids, some middle school kids. And, you know, she takes a liking to me and I take a liking to her. And again, I'm on a relational, you know, zero here. And I mean, you know, just uh, looking for a friend. And, and so they're like, hey, why don't you hang out and make some lunch? And, you know, I'll make you a sandwich. And like, she probably thought, this poor kid, you know, probably, I probably smelled, I probably didn't shave. I was just like out there, you know, out in Georgia, Alma, Georgia. Um, and so I'm like, sure, I'll stay. And, you know, I eat a sandwich and I'm hanging out with her kids and we go into the den and just like, I'm like, this is great. It's like family. These are total strangers. <laughs> An hour goes by, another hour goes by. We're just hanging out in the den. I'm thinking nothing of it, right? Like I'm getting some, like these people like me, I'm getting my relationship needs met. Dad comes home, <laughs> walks into the house. He, what's going on? Who, who's the dude in the living room with the kids? <laughs> and when he walked in, he had this look on his face like, I think I might have to kill you. 
And it suddenly hit me what, what was happening was I was just, it was the awkwardness of the scenarios. It just all rushed at me and I immediately got up and I said, I, I'm, I'll be going now. Thank, thank you for buying. Um, I'll see you later. I uh, appreciate it. And I walked out. I was so embarrassed. We do some weird, goofy things when we're by ourselves, don't we? I mean, just the choices we make, decisions we make. We were designed to live in community with people. Andy Stanley, pastor of North Point Community Church, said it like this. He said, we are the biggest threat to ourselves and to others when we choose to live in isolation. We don't get the feedback that we need. We don't get our, need, our relational needs met. We don't get the encouragement that we need. We don't get the insight, the, fee, you know, the, 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 uh, the help that we need. We're the biggest threat to ourselves and to other people when we live our lives in isolation. I want to take it a step further and even say this. It might sound a little bit dramatic, but I believe it's true. Isolation can even be deadly. Deadly. There's actually a new body of research out there that supports this. I came across an article by Judith Shulovitz. I don't agree with the whole article, but a lot of it is really, really interesting. And it's all based in research and science. And the title of the article is called The Lethality of Loneliness. There's a whole body of research that's come out on loneliness. And this is what she says. Psychobiologists can now show that loneliness sends misleading hormonal signals, rejiggers, I don't know what that means, rejiggers the molecules and the genes that govern behavior and wrenches a a slew of uh, of other systems out of whack in your body. They have proved, scientists have proved that long-lasting loneliness not, not only makes you sick, but it can kill you. Emotional isolation, she says, is ranked as high risk factor for mortality as smoking. I mean, we have all heard people say, oh, you shouldn't smoke those cigarettes. They're going to kill you. Have you ever heard someone say, you need to get in a small group because you might die? <laughs> we, don't, we don't think that way. We think, oh, you're lonely. That's sad. I'm sorry you're lonely. You know. We don't think it's going to kill you. Listen to what she says. A partial list of the physical diseases thought to be caused or exasperated by loneliness would include Alzheimer's, obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, even cancer. She says tumors can, can metastasize and grow faster in lonely people. Man, that's a whole nother level. I never thought about it that way. A lot of us may, might hear that and say, well, I'm not lonely. I mean, I got all these Facebook followers and all these Instagram people and everybody likes my stuff when I tweet it or post it or whatever. And, and I don't believe that that is sufficient for us. You know, I don't even think that people on Facebook really know you. Do they? Maybe some do. I don't think surface level relationships or shallow relationships are enough for us. In fact, there's a recent Gallup poll that came out that said Americans are among the loneliest people in the world, but we are among the most connected people in the world through social media. How interesting. We were designed to be in deeper relationships with human beings. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. If a piece of metal is going to stay sharp and effective, it has to rub up against another piece of metal. In the same way, if you are going to be effective as a human being, if you're going to become the person God created you to be, if you're going to get through this life and thrive, you need other people to come alongside of you and sharpen you. Not from a distance doesn't work from a distance, but up close and personal. Man, we go through this life, we've got children to raise and bills to pay and jobs to work and houses to manage and errands to run and groceries to purchase and laundry to fold and kids to raise. I mean, when, when you go through this life 
and, and you don't take time to, to be with other people to sharpen, you become dull. Just like a knife becomes dull when you just use it, 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 and you don't take time to sharpen that knife, that knife becomes what? It becomes dull. In the same way, this is the way it works with me and you. When we choose to go at things alone, we, we, we become dull. We become less effective parents, less effective students, less effective coworkers, less effective employees, less effective brothers and sisters and mothers and cousins, and just less effective in life. Why? Because we're just dull. In isolation, we become dull. I wrote it like this in your notes. God's intention is for friends to help you get through this life. You were not designed to go through this life all by yourself. You are the greatest threat to yourself and to others when you choose to go through this life isolated. I think it's, it's, there's three reasons why this statement is true. The first one is when you're living in relationships the way God designed you to be, in deep relationships connected with other people, you receive practical help. Like everyday practical help. If you, if you need help with babysitting, you get the babysitting. If you need help with paying the rent, someone helps you pay the rent. If you need help buying groceries, someone helps buy groceries. You need gas in your cars. Like super practical things. When you're living in community, tight community, and you need some help, there are people there who will come alongside and help you. Listen to what the author of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, said. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other, what? Succeed. Two people can do more than one person by themselves. He goes on to say, if one person falls, which we will, there will be falls in our life. There will be difficulties. There will be a job loss. There will be a breakup of a relationship. There will be a sickness. There will be falls, yes or no? Mistakes, right? Breaking the law, <laughs> stuff like that. If one person falls, the other can reach out and do what? Provide practical help. What is it that you need? You need someone to come down to the jail and bail you out? Okay, I'm on my way. Some of you have been there. <laughs> but someone who falls and they're all alone, they got nobody to call, no one's there, guess what? That person's in real what? Trouble. Nobody's there to catch you. You fall down and you stay down. In fact, in the scientific research, Judith Shulovitz puts this in her article. Listen to what she says. The lonely get sicker than the non-lonely. Why? That's odd. Lonely people get sicker than non-lonely people? people. Why? Because they don't have anybody to help them out or take care of them when they get sick. Did you know there was a Harvard study done, you can look it up, that showed that married men live longer and are healthier than unmarried men? Now this makes complete sense to me because I'm a dude. <laughs> and here's how dudes function. Not all dudes, but most of them. <laughs> We're like, we get sick or we feel something like in our side or whatever. And we're like, it'll be what? It'll be fine. It'll go away, right? But it doesn't. And then we die. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's, I mean, it's not hard to figure out, uh, you know. It really does work that way. And then, but when, when the dude is married, he's like, oh man, I got this thing on my side. It's like, it's been killing me for three days. And mama comes on the scene, and mama's the wife. Mama comes on the scene, and she says, well, let's go, let's go to the doctor. I mean, let's get this figured out. Let's go to the med check. Let's, I call, I got you an appointment. You know, and, the, and this is what my wife does for me, because otherwise I'm busy. I got to go, and you know, I'm, I don't have time to go to the doctor. Who has time? I'm a, like, I'm a dude, right? So it'll go away. It'll be fine. Single men don't live as long as married men. Like, this is like, this is research, because dudes are, are, are naturally stupid. I mean, it's just no other way to say it. It's just we are. 
We don't think to go to the doctor. We're too proud to go to the doctor. We don't want to take the time to go to the doctor, and so we die. It's just not complicated, okay? But married men, on the other hand, man, they get taken care of. They live longer. They're healthier. They eat better. Because <laughs> mama, mama loves them, right? So, I mean, it's... Tom Rath wrote a book called Vital Friendship. Vital Friends. Fantastic book. I love the subtitle. The people you can't afford to live without. He has a name for these types of people that give practical help. He calls them companions. Companions. Listen to what he says about companions. I love it. So good. I don't have this in your notes. I'll just read it to you though. A companion is always there for you, whatever the circumstances. You share a bond that is virtually, virtually unbreakable. When something happens big in your life or small, good or bad, this is the one person that you call first. At times, a true companion will even sense where you were headed, your thoughts, feelings, and actions before you know it yourself. Companions take pride in your relationship. And, watch this, they will sacrifice for your benefit. They are the friends for whom you might literally put your life on the line. You are, if you're searching for a friendship that can last a lifetime, look no further than a companion. They just come alongside and say, what is it that you need? Oh, I need help with, with this. Done. Or they, at least they try or they try to get somebody to help you. That is what we need. The friendships that we cannot afford to live without. Do you have companions in your life? Do you have people that meet practical needs? This is why as a church we try to say, hey man, join a group, join a group, join a group. Because most likely if you join a group, get in community, you're going to find somebody like that. Let me talk about the second one. When you get in a community group, small group, and you live in the relationships that you're designed to live in uh, by God, you receive wisdom. You receive wisdom. Now, when I say wisdom, I do not mean intelligence. I do not mean what you got in your SATs or ACTs. I do not mean how smart you are or how, what your IQ is. How many of you know really, I don't want to say the word, how many of you know some foolish smart people? Yeah? It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? It's like they're super smart, but man, their life is a mess. Because wisdom is different, wisdom is very different from intelligence. Wisdom is a knowledge of how things work, how relationships work, how money works. Wisdom is a knowledge of how forgiveness works. Wisdom is a knowledge of how any field of study, how something actually works in you, how parenting works, how to, re how to relate to a teenager, how to relate to a middle schooler. That is wisdom, which is very different from intelligence. Many years ago, uh, about eight years ago, Jackie and I got our first dog. We were never dog owners. I didn't grow up with a dog. She didn't grow up with a dog. And so when we got this little puppy, we were like, I, you know, what do you do with this thing? You know, how do you, how do you train it? How do you, uh, you know, play with it? How do, you, what, what, how do you take care of it? And so we struggled. We struggled for, you know, we already had three kids. I mean, you'd have thought we would have known how to do it. Um, but, but we didn't. So we're like, man, who knows about dogs? Who know? Remember what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowledge of a field, right? So we've, we found Caesar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Caesar Milan. We found the dog whisperer. How many of you know the dog whisperer is? Oh, some of you millennials, you don't know yet. But he's on Netflix. I think he's still on Netflix. His show is not on anymore. But the dog whisperer is named Caesar Milan. This is a picture of Caesar if you don't know what, his, what he looks like. Kind of looks like our campus pastor from Franklin, doesn't he? Pastor Brent, <laughs> love you, Brent. Love, love you, Franklin. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you see Brent, give him a hard time about that. That'd be fun. Um, anyway, Caesar, like, like, like people's dogs, 
and be like running away from him or eating the couch or, you know, just, just barking all the time. And, and they would call Caesar and Caesar would come in like, remember Nanny 911? Kind of the same deal. Uh, it's like, I don't know how to do with these kids. So Caesar would come in and like within a day or two, he would do his magic. I mean, literally work his magic with these dogs and talk to them and speak to them. And sometimes he'd bring them back to his own ranch and he, and he would fix these dogs and he'd come back and then all their problems. Were, I was like, Wow, so we started to watch the show and learn how to treat our dog and who, who's the alpha male, you know? And, and, and you know, he was big, real big on that. Who's the alpha male in the house? And of course, it's me. <laughs> I think. Might be Jackie, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we, it helped us so much. The, the wisdom, the wisdom has just come. And wisdom is knowledge of how something works. Listen to what King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise, live with the wise, get close to the wise, and you will what? Become wise. It really is that simple. The wisdom of others rubs off on you if you're willing to get close to them and walk with them and live with them. On the other hand, associate with fools, and what happens? You get in trouble. Live in isolation, you fall down, you don't have anybody to help, leads to trouble. Walk with fools, don't associate with wise people. You learn the ways of foolish people, you, you get in trouble. You see God's design here? God's design is for you to be around some friends to help you get through this life and thrive. Practical help, wisdom. In Tom Rath's book, he, he calls these friends navigators. Navigators. Let me read to you what he says about navigators. I think you'll really like this. He says, navigators people are people or friends that give you advice and keep you headed in the right direction. You go to them when you need guidance, and they talk you through the pros and cons until you find an answer. In a difficult situation, you need a navigator by your side. They help you see a positive future while keeping things grounded in reality. Anytime you're at a crossroads they, and need help making a decision, you look to a navigator. They help you know who you are and who you are not. They are the ideal friends to share your goals and dreams with. And when you do, you, you will continue to learn and grow. When you ask navigators for direction, watch this, they help you reach your destination. Why? Because they know. They have knowledge of that particular area. Do you have a navigator in your life? Do you have a companion in your life? Two or three of these people. These are the friends we cannot afford to live without. Let me share with you this third reason. You receive continual encouragement continual encouragement. Man, this life is tough. When you live in community, intentional community with some great people, you receive continual encouragement. The word encourage is an interesting word. It literally means when you break it down to put courage into somebody, to take courage and literally inject it into their mind and heart and soul. And then they, they suddenly rise up and they say, man, I think I can do it. I think I can get through this. I think I can forgive. I think I can move forward. And, and you, you have put that courage inside of them to do the very things they were hoping to do or to get through the struggle that they're in. Encouragement. You need it and I need it. Why? Because life is difficult. Life is difficult. We have loss and hurt and pain and struggle of all kinds, financial, relational, this last week, some of you know, there was, a, there was an incredible tragedy on Lake Monroe, one of the families here at Greenwood. A little eight-year-old girl passed away in a boating accident. I found out Monday morning, and I called the dad and some of, those, some of the folks who were involved. And the greatest need 
the greatest need that this family has, even now, even now, in this moment, is what? Encouragement. Encouragement to keep their eyes on God. Encouragement to stay strong in their faith. To overcome the sadness, to overcome the difficult, the sense of loss of this precious little girl, this eight-year-old, vibrant, filled with life, filled with energy, this little girl was beautiful. At the funeral yesterday, and I just tried for the whole crowd, it's a packed, packed little room there, I just tried to take courage and put it into their hearts by talking about how death is not the end. That when someone dies, the spirit separates from the body. And this little girl's soul is with Jesus. And one day when Christ returns, her soul will be reunited to her body and we will see her again. And I just tried to say things like that, which are 100% true from the Bible, and heap encouragement on that family. Dad's name is Pablo. I think, Pablo, are you here today? I love you. Jen, I love you. We grieve with you. And we're here for you as a church. And I know you have your friends with you and others here. We love all of you guys. If you see him on the way out, just, just don't say anything. Just, just tell him you're praying for him. And you're here for him. That's what they need. That's what, hey, right now that family is going through the valley of the shadow of death. They've lost their precious daughter to a horrific accident. Maybe you next week. So I don't need any help. I don't need any encouragement. I'm good. For now you are. They were great two weeks ago. And then tragedy strikes. It's going to touch me. No one gets through this life without it. And it's going to touch you. And it's in those moments where you have to have a group of people around you that says, man, I am in your corner. I got you. Let's walk through this together. Tom Rath, in his book, he's got a name for these people. He calls them energizers. Energizers. Listen to what he says about energizers. So good. He says, energizers are fun friends who always give you a boost. You have more positive moments when you're with these friends. Energizers are quick to pick you up when you're down and can make a good day great. They're always saying and doing things to make you feel better. Energizers have a remarkable ability to figure out what gets you going, what motivates you. When you're around these friends, you smile a lot more. Do you have some of these people in your life? You're more likely to laugh in the presence of an energizer. If you want to relax and have a good time and need to get out of a rut, out of a tough spot, call an energizer, an encourager, someone that will pull you up. Do you have these people in your life? These are the friends we cannot afford to live without. Why? Because life is hard. Life is painful. In, the, in 1991, Tom Rath was asked to do a study on why some people are able to pull out of homelessness and others are not. And, and, and initially, when his company asked him to do the study, he was like, come on, dude, this is pointless. The answer is simple, drugs and alcohol. Come on, why am I doing this study? But as he started to interview homeless people that were unable to pull out 
of their homelessness for decades, listen to what he found. This is incredible what he said in the book. In most cases, the relationship with the bottle or the needle, the drugs and the alcohol, was precipitated by the collapse of a close relationship with a loved one or a friend. What came first? The relationship breakup, then the drugs and the alcohol, then the homelessness. Listen to what he says. The men and women who remained homeless for decades had something in common, a lack of healthy friendships. He says, more than anything else, they were friendless. That was, the, that was the common denominator. Being without a home was just the most obvious and visible part of their plight. You know what they didn't have? They didn't have someone in the corner saying, come on, you can pull through this. Let's go. Let me pick you up. I'm not going to let you stay there. Let's get you an apartment. Let's find you a different job. They didn't have an energizer. They didn't have someone coming after them saying, I won't let you go homeless. I won't let you stay down. I'm going to pick you up. Do you have these people in your life? They are the friends that you and I cannot afford to live without. Companions, navigators, energizers, practical help, wisdom, and encouragement. Is this making sense? I'm doing my best job here to convince you guys. We need to do this thing together. You're the biggest threat to yourself and to others when you try to go through this life in isolation. A couple of months ago, I read a fantastic book, which if you're a reader and you want to dive into more of this stuff, it's called The Power of the Other by Henry Cloud. I love the subtitle, The Startling Effect Other People Have on You from the Boardroom to the Bedroom and Beyond and What to Do About It. <laughs> I thought that was clever. This is his conclusion. I love it. Now, this guy is a Christian psychologist. He's brilliant. This is the guy who wrote Boundaries, Boundaries in Dating, Boundaries in Marriage. Just phenomenal author, phenomenal person. Uh, listen to what he says. The undeniable reality is that how well you do in life and in business depends not only on what you do and how you do it, your skills and competencies, but also, watch this, on who is doing it with you or to you. Who is helping you? Who is fighting you? Who is strengthening you or resisting you? These people are making or breaking you. Like I cannot overemphasize the importance of, of the people closest to you and the effect that they're having on you for the positive or the, the negative. They're making you or breaking you. And so I've just decided I'm gonna be in a group. Not because the elders of our church say, Danny, uh, we need you to be in a small group it's in the bylaws of the church. No, our elders don't they, don't, they don't require me to be in a small group. I choose to be in a small group. So every Friday I meet with my guys uh, at a coffee shop. Some of, you, some of you probably see me there. There's about four guys in my group. One guy had moved to Nashville, so he's still in the group, but just virtual. And you know what we do for each other? We study a book, we read a book. And we just mostly provide encouragement. We challenge each other, encourage each other. They know what's going on in my life. I know what's going on in their life. You say, isn't that vulnerable? Yeah, it's vulnerable. It is. You share your mistakes and sins and shortcuts. Absolutely. It's not going to be valuable if we're not going to be honest about it. So we, we, you know, we talk about life and struggles and leadership. And Here's what's so interesting about my, my small group of guys. About every morning... <laughs> I get a text message, and I, and I just want to show you the, the, the thread here. The, I didn't make up the title of the thread, but somebody, somebody else did. It's called Missionary Men. It's kind of geeky. I know. But <laughs> I didn't make it up, remember. But if I go through this thread, if I could just 
just show, it'd be just, it is so long. We've been, te- we've been together for a couple of years. We just, it just keeps going. And if I read you some of these, it's just constant encouragement. Constant praise, praying for you today, Bible verse, here's a thought, be thinking about this, keep loving your wife, keep stay faithful to God, all this on and on and on and on and on, and I could just keep going and going. It's, a, it's just a text thread, just, just our small group, and then we meet on Fridays and talk. And These are the guys, these are my energizers, these are my navigators, these, are my, these guys would sacrifice to do something for me, and they have. And I hope I would do the same for them. And so when, you know, people ask me, how you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I've got a great support small group that helps me. I don't have to do it. I don't have to. I choose to do it. Why? Because I know the power and the influence of the people in my life, either for good or for bad. That's my, that's, that's, that's my, right now, that's the, a lifeline for me. And it is for some of you as well. I hope it, it, it could be for all of us. So here, here's my challenge. It's real, it's real simple. Two things. Number one, join a group if you're not in a group. I mean, it's just, it's a super simple challenge. Join a group if you're not in a group because you're gonna receive practical help, wisdom, and encouragement. We've got all kinds of groups. This t-shirt, you're probably wondering, what's all over your t-shirt? These are symbols for all the different types of groups that we have. There's, there's groups that are, revolve around Financial Peace University, money, I can't find that one because I'm upside down right now. Uh, there's groups for singles. There's groups for married couples. There's groups for high school students. There's groups for middle school students. There's groups for people who are grieving over loss. There's groups for all kinds of groups. And they're, they're out in the foyer. And you can talk to folks out there and say, hey, what kind of groups do you have for this type of person? That's who I am. And they'll talk to you about that. We try to get as many types of groups going because we know that a lot of you are in different, different stages and different places in life. So you can go to eclife.org forward slash groups, and this is how to register. We've got a huge group signups going right now, and that's the point of this talk, to get those of you who are not in a group to get in a group. Now, I know some of you are going to push back and say, man, dude, I tried that group thing last year, and it was horrible. There's this one lady in my group. I'm not doing it again. You had a bad experience. I get that. I get I really do. I've been in groups before where there were some challenging folks in the groups. But let me ask you a question. You ever get a bad haircut? You have, right? Too short, too long, too much color, not enough color, something like that. We've all had bad haircuts. Did we stop getting haircuts? No, right? We just changed barbers or changed locations or we went somewhere. But we kept getting haircuts. I'm telling you, group life is like that. It's like, yeah, that one was okay. I didn't really like, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so or whatever. I'm going to try a different group. And that's, that's the posture that I would hope you would take if you've been in a group before and you had a bad experience to try it again. So that's my first challenge is to join a group. My second challenge is to be that person. Now, what do I mean by that person? Be the person in the group who actually gives the practical help, who gives the wisdom, when asked, of course, (laughs) gives the wisdom, gives the help, and gives the encouragement. Like, be that person. And here's what will happen in the long run. You will receive it back. It'll come back around to you. You will reap what you sow. As you give the practical help, as you give the wisdom when asked, as you provide the encouragement, people will give it back. I'm I'm so blessed, and and I've thought about this. Why am I so blessed? People help me encourage me, people give me insight and wisdom, 
And I think the reason why I'm so blessed and my family's so blessed is because I try to give it out. I try to give it out. I try to just hurl it or, you know, encouragement out to people and blessings to people. And it just comes back to me without even asking. Don't be the other person. You show up in the group and you go around and it's the first meeting and like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Susie and, and uh, I was told that, uh, that, that you guys meet practical needs. I'm short of my rent this week. <laughs> Pastor Danny said, practical needs. Let's take an offering. You know, don't be that person. <laughs> don't, don't come in. Don't come into the group with your hand out. Oh, I need encouragement. Uh, encourage me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know we all need it and we're all at spots certain times, but be the other person. Be the other person who gives the encouragement, who gives the help, and it'll come back to you. Now, I can keep talking about this. Instead of talking, I'm going to shut up. And I want you to hear from a few people who've been blessed by being in a small group here at Emmanuel. Check out their stories. My name's Tony Banks, and I've been attending Emmanuel for 10 years now. My name is Shelby Boykley, and I've been going to Emmanuel for about four to six years. I'm Leslie Mannon. I'm Alex Mannon. And we've been attending Emmanuel since 2013. So the biggest trial of our lives happened in February of 2019. We woke up in the middle of the night around 4 a.m. Our son, Maddie, was having a major seizure. He wasn't breathing. We called 911. We uh, got to the hospital. And uh, we realized that he wasn't moving his the left side of his body like at all. So some of the trials that brought me to this point, there was some sexual assault and then physical assault and then verbal and emotional assault where like not only do they wage warfare on you, but it starts a battle within yourself. Each one kind of got me my heart to harden a little bit more. So I isolated myself and I had only been like drifting. The trials God was using to bring me closer to Him were going through a divorce, which uh, had left me depressed and wanting to find another way. So I turned back to coming to church. I started dating again, and I made the mistake of, of moving in with the girl that I was dating. Over time, I mean, it's probably two or three months, but I found myself not doing anything. I think that was all part of God's plan to like draw me closer to him because he just needed to shake me and that's what he needed and he gave me a purpose and it wasn't until after small group that I was able to see the purpose because through my pain that's given me the opportunity to hear and feel for other people that are in situations like that. Whenever the doctors gave us the diagnosis from the swelling in his brain, they told us that he would probably never walk again. The biggest thing I remember is why him, like he was such an innocent little boy that hadn't really done anything and he's always been so happy and just to see him in that situation be like, why not me? I'm not exaggerating when I say that I can't imagine going through this trial without uh, our small group behind us. They came to the hospital and prayed. Even though they couldn't come and see Maddie, they just wanted to be there and do anything that they could to help us get through it. They sent uh, notes of encouragement and they just covered us in prayers. And that's really the most important thing that they could have done. About nine months into the relationship, I realized I, I wasn't in the spot I needed to be with my relationship with Christ. So I, I decided to go back to church. After a few services, I met Bill Miller, 
He gave me the opportunity to join a small group. I became more and more convicted about living with a woman that I wasn't married to. But after I moved out, I started taking the time to grow my relationship through reading and praying. And that's when I started serving at the refuge. I developed a passion for mission trips after going on my first one to Columbia in 2017. I've now been on three altogether. Without a small group, I wouldn't have grown. I wouldn't have been pushed to want to serve more. My life would not have changed. I, I would have been doing the same thing I was, you know, just living for me. When this all happened, the doctors, they had never seen a case like this before, and they didn't even know if he would ever walk again. But he's walking, and he's made so much progress in therapy, and we're just so thankful for all the prayers. Would I recommend a small group to people? I would. I think it's great if, if you're ready to get uncomfortable. It's not going to be perfect. It's real people, real experiences. When you're in the right group, you feel a little more comfortable testing the water with your own skeletons. What I would tell someone that wants to join a small group was, you know, jump in with a little bit of patience and God's timing. You'd be amazed how your life would change. As a part of the group, we're not just thinking about Alex and Leslie, but we are also praying for eight other couples. And it's really invited us to be a part of something bigger than just ourselves and our faith. And, um, you know, we're happy and we're excited to grow in that community. My hope is that you will jump in and you'll join a group and you'll, and you'll be that person. Uh, please talk to the folks at your campus out in the, out in the foyer there. You can go to eclife.org forward slash groups and sign up. As we wrap up today, you know, it's interesting. We sang a song earlier called I Believe. And one of the, one of the lines in that song was, I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. And if you don't know... What that means, uh, we've never really considered that. The, the, the theological word for that is, is called Trinity. That, that God is one God, but there's, there's three distinct parts of God or, or manifestations of God. And that is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All three of them are one. And Christianity is really an offer for you and I to join the small group that God has with himself. I mean, if you could say it that way, it's not, I don't think that's sacrilegious to say that. God is plural, three in one, that's a little small group. And he says to you and me, do you wanna join our group? I mean, that's what it is. Not join our church, not join a religion, that's not the offer, but live in fellowship, live with us. The word Emmanuel, the name of our church, which I, years ago I wanted to change it because I thought it was kind of like old and, Christian-y, whatever. But we didn't change our name because of what it means. Emmanuel in the Bible means God, Father, Son, Spirit, with what? Us, that's what it means. The invitation of Christianity is, will you come live with me? That's what God is saying. And what I've done is, the Father has sent the Son to die on a cross for our sins so that you can come live because sin separates us from God. So he took care of sin by having Jesus die for it. Then he says, will you ask Christ to forgive your sins and just come live with us in a small group? That's, I mean, really, that's really Christianity. Christianity is a little small group with God. You ever heard it put that way? I've never said that before. 
Have you made that decision? I'm, again, I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to, to join a religion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living your life with God inside of you because of what Christ did on the cross. If you would like to make that decision today, if something finally clicked with you, watching online, one of our campuses, one of our microsites, whatever, wherever you are, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. Take these words, make them your own and step into a relationship, fellowship with God. Close your eyes, bow your head. If this moment is yours, take these words, make them your own. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to wash away all my sin, all my guilt, everything I've ever done wrong. Cleanse me right now and make me your child. Father, Son, Spirit, I want to live with you. I accept your invitation. Come into my heart. Fill me. Dwell within me. And from this day forward, teach me to listen to you and follow you, your guidance, your instruction. Give me a heart to obey what you say, to honor you, to love you. Thank you for including me in your small group your fellowship. I pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory for what he's doing? Amen. Wherever you are today, whatever campus you're at, whether you're watching online or one of our microsites, we want to put a New Believers Bible in your hand if you prayed that prayer. There's folks in the back of your auditorium. If you did it online, please check the box there. It says, I trusted Christ. Put your address in there. We'll send one of you, one of these in the mail.